This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. down. We've read it now for four weeks. This will be the last week we'll read it. It's in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. This is what it says. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, and we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. That we through patience and the comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. I have been preaching now for four weeks on Look Back, Leap Forward. We talked about week number one, we talked about Elijah. Week number two, we talked about Elijah. Week number three, we talked about Abraham. But today, we want to talk about the man who is the only man in the Bible, the only man in the Bible that God said this about him. God said this about this man. He's a man after my heart. He's a man after my heart. And that man, of course, was the psalmist, was the king. It was David. And I want to talk to you about David the warrior. David the warrior. You know, I read about a boy one time that was drafted for the military, and he just wasn't mad at anybody, and he just didn't want to fight anybody, so he didn't respond, and he kept getting letter after letter saying, you've been drafted, you've been drafted. Finally, he didn't respond, and the sheriff went out and arrested this young man, had to run him down, actually. He took off running behind the house. So the sheriff had to arrest this young man, took him down to the draft board. He got down to the draft board, and the lady at the draft board said, son, I need your full name. He said, Johnny Lynn Jones, Johnny Lynn Jones. She said, okay. He said, before you say anything, let me say something. She said, okay. He said, what I want you to do, I want you to get this paperwork taken care of just as fast as you can because I want you to get me on the battlefield. And once I get on the battlefield, I want you to put me on the front line. He said, on the front line, if I get wounded, he said, just as quickly as I can, take me back to the paramedics, let them heal me up and put me back on the front line. If I get wounded, he said, heal me up just as fast as you can, put me back on the front line. If I get wounded, heal me up, put me back on the front line. She said, wait, 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 son. She said, son, you're crazy. He said, write it down, write it down, write it down. <laughs> now, David wasn't like that guy. David was a warrior. David was a warrior. I researched and I found that David was actually in 13 different battles. And I thought about David the warrior this week, and then I realized, folks, we're all warriors. See, we're all soldiers. Look what the Bible says in Timothy. It says, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That tells me that we're a warrior. That tells me that we're in a battle. Ephesians 6 and 12 says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, folks, our battle's not flesh and blood. Your battle's a spiritual battle. See, see, we, we think it's a flesh and blood battle, but it's actually a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle that's taking place between us and the enemy. 
We have an enemy. I know we don't talk about him in church anymore, but folks, the devil is real. The devil is real, and he's come to seek and to kill and to destroy. We have a real enemy, and that real enemy is the devil. That's why the Bible tells us this, folks. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, God said, you fight for your family. That is, if you're in a marriage, you fight for that marriage. If you've got a child, the enemy wants your child. The enemy not only wants your child, the enemy wants your grandchild. The enemy wants your ministry. The enemy wants your influence. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And let me tell you something, folks. This is not a Sunday school picnic. We're in a fight. It's not a Sunday school picnic. We're in a battle. There's a battle with the enemy. Think about this. The greatest Christian ever to live unequivocally was the great apostle Paul. But from the time this man got saved to the time he went to heaven, it was a battle. Forget this happy, clappy group. For, forget this happy, clappy that tells you that Christian life is just peaches and cream. That's not true. There's nothing biblical about that. Paul gets to the end of the way. He's before Nero's chop block. He's getting ready to be beheaded. And you know what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4? I fought a good fight. Why did he say that, folks? He'd been in a battle. I fought a good fight. Now, here's all I want to say. If you could talk to David and say, David, you was in 13 major battles. What would be the most memorable battle that you was in? You was in 13. I believe David would say this. I'll never forget. When I was about 16 years old and there was a giant that was nine foot, six inches tall. He weighed 500 pounds, big enough to eat hay, dumb enough to enjoy it. Could have played for the University of Georgia Bulldogs. I remember, I remember going up against that giant, and I remember God defeating that giant. And he said, uh, Somebody perhaps said to him, well, how do, you, how do you overcome the giant, David? Not an anthropologist, but here's what I know about all of us. We've got giants, we've got battles, we've got struggles. So let's take the principles from David. That's what we've been preaching all month. Let's take the principles from David, and ladies and gentlemen, let's apply these principles to our lives, and let's learn from David. How, how did he do it? Number one, he was consistent in routine things. He was consistent in routine things. Now, here's what's amazing. If you've read the Bible, Samuel was the prophet. And God says to Samuel, you might as well forget about Saul. I've taken my hand off of him. Go down to Jesse's house, and I want you to anoint one of Jesse's boys to be the next king. Now, here's what's interesting. Samuel goes down there, and he pours the oil, pours the oil on David. He anoints him. You say, Pastor Benny, so he became the king? No, sirree. For 14 years, he was still keeping cheap. For 14 years, he was just doing the mundane, routine 
day-to-day responsibilities. He was just consistent in routine things. I love what D.L. Moody said. He said, it's when we're willing to do the little things that God entrusts us with bigger opportunities. It's when we're willing to do the little things that God entrusts us with bigger opportunities. You know, there's a church in America. I think it's actually the largest church in America. It's Lakewood Church. Joel Osteen's the pastor. And uh, the, the guy, Brother Joel, smiles a lot. You said, Pastor Benny, what, what do you think about him? I've met him on three different occasions. He's a very humble man. That's all I'll say. He's a very humble, has the right spirit. Very humble. But the building seats, 52, I mean, the congregation on the weekends have 52,000 people. Can you imagine 52,000 people are coming for worship? Joel Osteen's a pastor. But here's what you may not know, folks. For 17 years, Joel Osteen stood behind a camera. He was not on a platform. He stood behind a camera, and he would film the service, and then he would edit the service. Every Saturday night... For 17 years, Joel would drive over to his daddy's house. He would lay out his daddy's clothes to preach on Sunday morning. He would find his daddy's shoes that his dad was going to wear on that Sunday. He would polish his daddy's shoes. He would leave. He would come on Sunday morning, pick his daddy up in the car, drive his daddy to church to preach the gospel. He wasn't always speaking to 52,000 people on the weekend. He was polishing shoes. This is what I know, folks. God wants us to be willing to be consistent in just doing the routine things. Listen closely, folks. If serving is beneath you, then leading is above you. If serving is beneath you, then leading is above you. There's a scripture that's become one of my most famous scriptures. Folks, it's found in Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 23, verse 30, it talks about little by little. Little by little. Now, let me tell you, sometimes in life, there'll be quantum leaps. Sometimes in life, there'll be breakthroughs. But I want you to know, most of the things, ladies and gentlemen, that God does in your life, most of the things that God does in any life, he does it little by little. He does it simply little by little. And you've got to learn to say, David said, no, I'm anointed to be king. I'm anointed to be king, and that's okay. I'm willing to stay in the background and keep feeding and caring for the sheep. Though nobody knows my name, that's okay. God knows my name. See, David, come help me. Come stand right here. David, yes, you're you're David. Come stand right here. Yeah. It's ironic I'd find a David, amen? 
Now, look, David's standing right here. Look at me, David. Look at, look at Pastor Benny. Let's just say hypothetically, folks, let's just say hypothetically, this is success. I didn't say I was success. I said this position right where I'm at is success, okay? This is the point of success. David, come to me. Stop. Is David a success? The answer is yes. Let me explain. He's not where he used to be. He's making progress. He's heading toward the goal. You may be seated, David. He's doing it little by little, but he was consistent in routine things. Let me tell you the second thing about David. He was committed in spite of ridicule. He was committed in spite of ridicule. Now, let me tell you that. Uh, uh, crows only pick at the best fruit. I mean, it's, it, it's, going, it, it, it's, it's going to happen. I thought about, you know why I always admired David? He was just an ordinary guy. There was really nothing. I mean, he was just an ordinary. His daddy didn't believe in him. He brought seven of them out there and said to Jesse, Jesse brought seven out before Samuel. He said, it's got to be one of these. That tells me his daddy, Jesse, right there in Bethlehem, didn't believe in David. His oldest brother, remember, put him down. His oldest brother, the one that should have been an encouragement, said, well, who are you? Saul didn't believe in him. But David was committed, ladies and gentlemen, in spite of ridicule. In spite of ridicule. Barbara said to me on one occasion, it breaks my heart, Benny, the things that people say about you. And I said, Barbara, aren't we glad they don't know all the truth? <laughs> During the 19th century, there was having a preacher's convention. And a man's true story stood up to preach during the 19th century. He, he rode his horse to preach. And he said, I believe that one day we won't have to ride a horse. I believe one day we'll be able to fly. When he said that, another man jumped up. And he said, this is heresy. I'm not listening to this. He said, if we were meant to fly, God would have given us wings. He looked over at his two sons, and he said, boys, let's go home. And started walking down the center aisle with them two little old boys right behind him. True story. Those two little old boys were Orville and Wilbur Wright. <laughs> I, I don't think they had a lot of encouragement from Dad. Bishop Wright wasn't encouraging them, but what did they do, folks? They stayed committed. They stayed committed in spite of ridicule. There's a third thing I want you to notice about him. He was content in his own skin. You know, if you look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 38 and 39, and I want you to get this down. This is powerful. Samuel said, I want to talk to you. I mean, Saul said, I want to talk to you, David about how to go against and how to fight this giant. Now, here's what's interesting. Saul wasn't willing to fight the giant, but he was willing to tell David how to do it. And when I read that, I made up my mind, folks. 
I'm going to be careful who I take advice from. I'm going to be careful who I take advice from. I'm going to be careful who I put my pail under their whale. You say, I'm a young couple and we're struggling in our marriage. Well, well, don't find that lady that's been married so many times she's got rice markings on her face. <laughs> you find that couple that's been married about 50 years and stuck in there. And you say, how do you do it? And you know what she's going to say? When I hated him, I just stayed. I just stuck in there. <laughs> oh, God. You know, if you study this too, folks, Saul said to David, David, you, you take my armor. You take my armor. He said, no, no, no. If you study the scripture, folks, Saul was a head taller than all the other men. His armor wouldn't fit David. Nobody's armor will fit you. Nobody's armor will fit you. Because, see, you're wonderfully and gloriously made. You're so unique. You're so special. God had a purpose. God had a purpose that was so unique that he literally created you for that. God had a purpose that was so unique that he said, I've got to create this person just for that unique purpose. See, folks, let me tell you something. I, we don't, we're, we're not created to, we're not created to fit in. We're created to stand out because God has uniquely and wonderfully made us. And that's why we need to be who we are. That's why we need to, uh, as I say, be who you is. Because if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. You need to be who God's made you to be. You need to be who God's made you to be. You know, I preach all over. True story, preach all over. Uh, probably preach too much. And uh, preach all over. And a lady said to me one time, she said, it amazes me the places you go to and preach. I said, yeah, it does me too. She said, you know what amazes me? is you act so country. And you know what's interesting, folks? If you come to Rock Springs Church, he reinvents words every week. <laughs> Makes these new words, amen? Makes these new words up. Uh, I remember one time, true story, preached, and a lady said, oh, great message, Pastor, Dr. Tate. He said, 13 grammatical errors. I said, but you don't understand. I had to give up half of my vocabulary when I got saved. Amen. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When I got right with God, I found I couldn't use those words that I was using before because the Holy Spirit pricked my heart, said you don't need to be using those words. If you're still using those words, you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. You say, are you talking to me? If your phone's ringing, pick it up, burn. Oh, I will. <laughs> Why do you act so country? I said, sis, it's not an act. It's who I am. <laughs> See, just be you. Just get content in your own skin. You're beautiful. You're precious. You're special. You're unique. You're gifted. Quit trying to act like them. Quit trying, quit trying to do this to please them. Quit trying to be that to please them. Quit trying to fit in with that. No, just, just be different. Just be different. Let me, let me tell you the fourth thing. And I, I, no, I'm not almost through. Uh, uh, the fourth thing, 
He, he was courageous. <laughs> he was courageous. One guy said, I took my knife <laughs> and cut the tail off a vicious lion. Somebody said, well, why didn't you cut his head off? He said, somebody already had. <laughs> Correct. You know, I thought about this, folks. He encountered criticism. He encountered criticism. He, he battled loneliness. He battled loneliness. Rarely will a real leader have two good days. Rarely will a real leader have two good days. He battled loneliness. But you know when he went up against that giant, folks? When he went up against that giant, look what the Bible says. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David, does this seem like a guy that's scared, folks? He looks out there and sees that guy, nine feet, six inches tall. What does he do? He runs toward him. Tell me that wouldn't courage, folks. And I want to say this. Sometimes it takes courage to live for the Lord. Sometimes it takes courage. Let me tell you something. Sometimes it takes courage to say, everybody else is going there, but I'm not going there. That boy that says to that, to you, young lady, let's do what, let's mean you do what everybody else is doing. See, it takes courage to say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 I, I, I'm not going to do that. He said, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, good, you won't have a problem finding somebody else. No, it, no, it takes courage to say, no, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to use the language that everybody else is using. I don't know why I'm on that point today. Some people must need to clean up their tongues. No, it, it, it takes courage. It takes courage to say, no, no, I'm not going to fit in with that crowd. I'm going to stand out. No, it takes courage to say, I know what everybody else is doing, but I'm not going to do that. It takes courage to say, well, I know everybody else, everybody else may dress that way, but I'm not going to dress that way. Let me give you, give me a number five and I'm done. His confidence was rooted in God. His confidence was rooted in God. Now, here, here's what people will say to me. Pastor, you've just got to be positive. And you, if you have a positive attitude, I want to prove to you, I think you ought to have a good attitude. But having a positive attitude is not enough. Stick with me, folks. Having a positive attitude is not enough. Look what the Bible says here. And the Philistine, that's Goliath, said to David, Come to me, and I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Wait. Pretty positive attitude. You agree? Pretty, pretty positive attitude, folks, but it got his head cut off. Amen? He was pretty positive, but that positive attitude got his head cut off. So all I'm going to say, it's not enough just to say I'm going to be positive. Wait. He said that in verse 44. Look what David said in verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and spear and a shield, but look, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. 
I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. If David, a modern-day New Testament verse, Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. It's a, see, for years I preached it wrong. I preached for years that David killed the giant through God. Wrong! God killed the giant through David. God killed the giant through David. Now, three things, and we're done today. Number one, she said, Pastor, I've got a giant. I've got a giant. Number one, confront the problem. You say, what do you mean confront the problem? Well, for 40 days, Goliath looked at Israel's army and said, give me a man. Give me a man. And for 40 days, they did nothing till a little old boy named David comes on the scene and confronts the problem. Let me tell you something, folks. If there's an elephant in the room, it won't go away. Many times we know the decision that we need to make, but we don't have the courage to make it. Many times we got a situation at work and we know what we need to do, but we won't do it even though we know we need to do it. Many times we know what the answer is, but we don't have the courage to fix the problem because we don't have the courage to confront the problem because somehow we think that it will go away. Let me tell you something. A decision, a decision will lead you to a decision. Many times just a decision will lead you to a decision that will be the right decision. But I want to promise you the worst place you can ever be is in the place of indecision. That's the most miserable place. You're indecision. You're undecided, and you're not willing to confront the problem. I don't know who that's for, but it felt good. <laughs> he confronted the problem. The second thing I'd say to you, cherish your victories. Cherish your, you know, I, listen, I, David took that sword. <clears throat> he cut that guy's head off. Read it closely. He carried his head for 30 miles. I believe he was waving that head. I believe he was waving that big head everywhere. I mean, he literally, he carried his head for 30 miles. But look, folks, and once he got to Goliath, he took Goliath's sword and he cut his head off. He took that sword, not, he, he, no, no, no. Cut his head off. Look here. Goliath's sword, Goliath's sword killed him. And look, folks, if you don't control the sword in your life, it will kill you. I hadn't said that in any other services. I didn't say that. It's not wrote down. God brought it to my mind. Goliath's sword killed him. And if you don't control the sword in your life, it will destroy you. He took that sword. I wondered for a long time, what happened to that sword? And then I found out as I researched, it ended up in the sanctuary in Nob. Because no doubt, after David and the giant was defeated, he took that sword to the sanctuary and he dedicated it to God. And he acknowledged, God, I won the victory. We won the victory because of you. 
And I want this sword in the house of God. It's kind of like, kind of like the cross. That cross right there is just a reminder to us. That cross right there is just a reminder to us of what God has done for us. Amen. That's why we that's why we're gonna put one 110 feet up there on that hillside. We want a constant reminder of what the Lord has done for us. David said, I brought that sword to the house of God because I want us to be reminded of what the Lord has done. Let me tell you something. You need to keep reminders around you of the victories that God has brought you through. You need to keep, listen, you said, Pastor Benny, I had cancer and just about died. I lost all my hair. You ought to have a picture around you periodically to look at where all your hair was gone and it looked it looked bad, but you know that Jesus touched you. One time, you said, Pastor Benny, at one time I was deep in sin. I was into drugs. I was into all kind of stuff. You ought to get a picture out every once in a while and just look at how you look back then. You ought to get a picture out when you look like hell and let it be a reminder of what the Lord has done in your life. Amen? You ought to just get it out. Just let it be a reminder. You know, folks, when the doctor said, when the doctor said you wasn't going to make it, you ought to remind yourself while the Lord's been faithful. When the doctor said, when the doctor said to Barbara and I, we're not having children, we're just not having children, but oh, a picture of Savannah Abigail is a reminder that with God, all things are possible. Let me share something you don't, uh, maybe I guess you do know. I was raised by a stepfather. I was raised by a stepfather that told me that I was an ignorant an ignorant bastard. Bastard only means illegitimate child. He said, you're just a, you don't even know who your daddy is. You're so dumb. That's why you can't learn because you're too dumb to learn. Let me tell you something. You won't, you won't see it if you're in my office, but I'm sitting at my desk. I've got one earned and five honoraries. But I keep one right there where I can see it. Nobody can see it but me. It's a doctorate of theology. And it says Vincent Benny Tate. And I look over and remind myself, he was wrong. He was wrong. He was wrong. I'm saying to you, cherish the victories. Every time I pull up at this campus, it's a reminder to me of what the Lord can do. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. I want to say to you, cherish the victories. And let me last. I'm done. I'm done. I sure have enjoyed. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. <laughs> Somebody asked me this week. They said, Brother Benny, Brother Benny, where had you rather preach as anywhere? And I said, Rock Springs Church. <laughs> I believe there's no other place anywhere near this place like this place. This must be the place. Amen. Let me tell you last, and I'm done. Commit. To not quitting. Commit to not quitting. Now, look, <clears throat> here's what I'm going to say. You say, Pastor Benny, I'm going through a real difficult time right now. I'm walking through hell right now. 
Give me a word of advice. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Because here's what I want you to see. If it's not good for you right now, you say, Pastor Benny, it's sure not good for me right now. If it's not good for you right now, listen real close because this is the best word I'll say. It will be good. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you say, well, what, what do you mean, Benny? Because the Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, for we know that God works all things for our good. You say, but Pastor Benny, but it ain't good. I don't know if that's good grammar. It's not good right now. But it will be good because God's working all things for your good. Now, now, if that verse is true, that means the heartache, that means the disappointment, that means the addiction, that means the affair, that means the abandonment, abandonment, that means the violation, that means the ho- the death, that means the sickness, that means the meth, that means the alcohol, that means the divorce, that means that God said, I'll take everything bad. And I'll work it for your good because I love you that much. You mean that much to me. You mean that much to me. Even though all you've messed up, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to use it all for your good. I'm going to ever, you say, but Pastor Benny, quit beating yourself up. God's going to use that for your good. You just commit to say, no, I'm just not going to quit. I'm just not going to quit. I'm going to stick in the fight. Amen? Folks, what did they say? When things go wrong, as they sometimes will. When the road you're traveling seems all uphill. When funds are low and debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must. But don't you quit. (laughs) Don't you quit. Don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out. Sometimes it hides in the silver clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. You may be near when it seems so far. So just stick to the fight. When your heart is tit, it's when things go wrong that you must not quit. You just stay in the battle. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Learn from David the warrior. He conquered his giant. You can conquer your giant too. No matter what it is. You say, Pastor Benny, listen, your past is not tied to your destiny. Your past is not tied to what. There's, there's nobody that can keep you from becoming everything that God wants you to be other than you. There's nobody that can keep you from come, becoming everything that God wants you to be other than you. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross 
for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you and we'll see you soon.